It's time we talked about domestic violence and how it's affecting our lives. Because it's much too hot, let's stop it from destroying our lives. Adversary to now line. Adversary to now line. And like the introduction says, you've got to do more than talk about it. You've got to listen. Hello, folks. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Adversary to Ally. And this is a joint partnership between Real Talk, Real People and Karina Martin, the founder of Mothers of Victims Equality. And it is a show that we're going to bring to you every third Monday of the month. And the conversation will always be about domestic violence and intimate relationship violence. And we know that this isn't a very, these aren't very popular topics, but when you consider that in the small state of Connecticut, last year, more than 40,000 people sought help from violent partners, then it really is time that we try and do something about this and come up with some kind of solution. But in doing our research, we found out that there weren't really many options open to men to for them to talk about this. So we decided that we wanted to do something about this, basically because I grew up in a domestic violence situation and I and it really developed some unhealthy long-term effects. For Karina, her daughters Shakwanika Brody, Alicia Wiley, as well as her granddaughter, Majea Richardson were all murdered by violent partners. So this is definitely something that we really, really should talk about. And that is our goal, to get men to talk about it and see if we as men can help come up with solutions that might help some of these men turn from adversary to ally. My first guest today is Ashan Avent. He is a professor at Eastern Connecticut State University, and he's also the owner of Main Event Sports and Apparel, and he joins us now. What made you interested in, in talking about domestic violence and intimate relationship violence? And I know Karina Martin um, recently had an affair there. Um, it's her annual event um, to call attention to intimate um, relationship violence. Is that how you got involved here? Yeah, that's how I got involved through Karina and their family <clears throat> with uh, Alicia Wiley and their uh, event on campus to help spread uh, domestic violence and oh, the message of domestic violence amongst college students, you know, because uh, she was tragically uh, killed during, you know, during the relationship from that and um, knowing, um, you know, the importance of having healthy relationships, you know, I thought it'd be great for me as a man to be a part of, of that, because usually it's just something that women are a part of, and men don't speak about it, but uh, I just thought it'd be cool to be a part of that and uh, start helping the movement. Well, it, it was one of the things that um, Karina and I talked about was the fact that men are largely the perpetrators of domestic violence and intimate relationships, but there is no real... You know, I know that some of these programs out here incorporate 
men where they talk about gang violence and so forth, but there's no real program. And I just lost you again. Oh, I'm here. I'm here. Can you see me? Uh, yeah, um, you're kind oh, of there kind we of go. Insane. Okay, you kind of there we go. Can yeah, you there me? you oh, go. No. Okay. Okay. Better? Right, that's much better. So okay. for us, there just didn't seem to be any outlets for just men to talk about domestic violence, their thoughts on it, and what they're seeing out there amongst other men. I myself, when I talk to some men just randomly. They don't really, some have a major problem with it and some don't, you know, they say they do, but their attitude is that they really don't. Why do you think that is? Um, <clears throat> some, some men are affected by it, you know, and, and uh, sometimes it bothers, you know, men to be vulnerable and transparent about something, or it could be as well too, it affected them in their family somehow, some way, you know, or they've had an encounter where, you know, they probably had um, uh, a domestic violence situation happen with them, you know, themselves. So, you know, <clears throat> I think it's more of a, a personal thing. Uh, if it affects you, then you care about it. And if you're one of maybe the perpetrators or got involved in the situation, then it doesn't really, you don't really want to talk about it, you know, and it's not something that you're proud of or that you want to deal with. <laughs> And I find that really strange. And I, you know, I'm not big on statistics at all because right. statistics yeah. are numbers, but they don't tell the horror. But yeah. I have to say that I've been um, reading, according to the um, Connecticut Coalition Against Domestic Violence, since the pandemic, domestic violence and intimate relationship violence has increased more than 70%. Yeah. 40,000 calls went to the Connecticut hotline last year in calls for help from women and shelters are 100% filled with um, domestic violence shelters are 100% filled and 50% of the overload are being housed in hotels and in motels. That really is a troubling statistic. Those are some troubling statistics and it really, um, it really says a lot. Where do you think the problem lies that it gets to the point where men are, and some women for that matter, are beating up on their spouses? Yeah, I think it, <clears throat> it stems from like not having um, healthy communication or being in a healthy relationship. You know, there could be, you know, some red flags early on that you ignore or um, not knowing how to resolve, you know, situations you know, by using your words or learning how to walk away or just coping skills sometimes, you know, is that sometimes people lack thereof, you know, some men do, right? It's not something that we're always taught, you know, uh, from a young age, you know, even playing with toys and GI Joes, you know, we just, right. you know, grasp them together and we don't really talk out our issues, you know, we just kind of, you know, go with our first instinct, which is aggression at times, right? And, you know, it's been like that from birth. You know, don't let if someone hit you, you hit them back. Or um, if uh, you, you know, if, you know, you just don't let nobody punch you sometimes. Sometimes those things get embedded in your mind. You don't realize that. And sometimes you can't make the separation between the two. So, you know, it can come out in your relationship, you know, by just by, you know, you um, having an unhealthy, healthy communication you know, can lead to aggression. And then aggression can lead to, 
random acts of physical, you know, shoving, and then shoving leads to something else. So I think that there's stages of it, um, of domestic violence, and sometimes what we think is okay might not be. Sometimes what we think is okay is really not okay. You know, sometimes we're not really sure what the, there's different levels of domestic violence. And sometimes what might be acceptable 20 years ago is not even acceptable now, right? Or uh, sometimes we don't even know what domestic violence is. What's the, de the definition of that, you know? Is it grabbing somebody, smacking somebody, pushing somebody? Or could it be a verbal um, altercation? Is that domestic violence? You know, so those things, um, sometimes men are, might not be fully aware of that. And, you know, it can put them in uncompromising situations. Yeah, I know that when I was growing up and 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 I I'm really big on domestic violence because that was my childhood. That is that is how I, I grew up. And how important do you think it is that community and other men get involved? I know when I was growing up, it was mind your own business. You literally heard women screaming, kids being beat, but it was mind your own business. I don't think it that is as prevalent as it was then, but it's still largely a mind your own business. Why do you think that is? Why do you think people stand by and allow that to happen without some type of intervention, whether that is contacting authorities or something else? I think it's more like a cultural conditioning that <clears throat> we're not taught to speak up. You know, I think there's something that goes back to times where, you know, in slavery, where we were just told to just shut up and just stay by and watch, you know, as other people beat us and raped us and things like that. So I think it could be conditioned, you know, and passed down from generations that was acceptable at times, you know, because this is what we saw and they just thought it was just normal behavior. And it just, you know, mind your business. It's something that is like a, a code of the streets, you know. We don't come from sometimes see something, say something. That's not always, you know, how uh, in the minority community, per se, is not how you always see things. You know, even if you see a crime, sometimes you, you've been ridiculed for saying something to the police or to the authorities. You get labeled as a, a, as a snitch or something to that effect. So with that, you know, those are behaviors and things that we've had to deal with for so long that. I think affects us overall as just individuals, you know, as to say, there's nothing to see here, keep going, mind your business. You know, I just think that's a part of our culture and, and how we were raised, you know, and, you know, domestic violence was something that my mom experienced. She was in a domestic violence shelter and had to relocate from New Haven to Hartford, you know, herself because of that, you know, and sometimes, you know, the influence of drugs and alcohol, you know, have men perform you know, acting in different ways that they probably normally wouldn't have not being under their influence. So there's multiple different factors that, that bring that into play. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. So then I'm wondering how much of the absence of the father in the home, in some Black homes, how big a role that plays because a lot of these men are growing up not understanding the back and forth between men and women. And they have to kind of figure this out on their own. And let's face it, some of these men growing up are very angry about their circumstances. And I'm wondering if that plays a role in, in their relationships with their 
intimate partners. I definitely think it does because if, if they're not teaching you, who's teaching you, right? Where are you getting your principles from? You know, chances are you're going to learn from, you know, big brother in the street or somebody who is, you know, not, that doesn't have the same moral or values, you know, that we all share, you know? So that's really the key is, you know, if the dad's not in the home, you know, how are you really learning anything? Where are you, where are you getting this information from to say it's okay, you know, or how are you dealing with coping skills, right? Um, and that's, or what, do you even know what a healthy relationship looks like? You know, some people don't know what a healthy relationship looks like, so they're not really sure how to deal with things and they get into these relationships that, that make it a little bit tough, you know, for um, them to, you know, make it through without having these situations or these flare-ups, I should say. You know, I think dads play a major part in the young man's development in their lives. You know, without that, they become lost or they turn to the streets or they turn to a gang or they turn to this other family. Uh, and I'm not talking about like another family. I'm talking about other families outside of family. You know, these, right. these street families or these clubs or these organizations that sometimes don't always have, you know, the best model for behavior, you know? Yes, I've noticed that in, in talking with uh, some guys about this and you know, I ask, well, what do your friends think about this? And, you know, they're like, you know, well, as far as they're concerned, you know, she she's out of line. She's not in her place. And yeah. that is a disturbing. <laughs> there's something disturbing about that when you say she's not in her place. What do you mean? I um, And I've noticed that this is a thing that women are still in some men's eyes considered not an equal, not a partner, but like a... Um, something or a person that's just provided to you to do your wishes or, you know, and what you want to do. Yeah. You know, and, and it's tough because, you know, some people see women as a piece of property, right. As if they own them and that, uh, you know, they can do whatever they want to them. And, you know, and it's true, you know, there, there is people who feel like women are not equal to that they're beneath them. And this is the reason why we have, the type of movements that we have, the Me Too movement, and you know, I am somebody too, and and diversity, diversity and inclusion, you know, for women to make them feel like they are whole. So it is, it is tough because it is a cultural thing, not only just in our culture but society as well. It's society you know, has said that you know that says that you know women are not equal or they don't have the same right as men do or as other people do. So you know, it's a big deal society-wise, let alone intercultural-wise within certain pockets of communities or genres of people. So what do you think, uh, what would you like to see as some of the solutions? What do you think is lacking and getting and getting these men to turn the corner, so to speak? What do you think is lacking? I think, you know, some of the things are lacking are like resources for men to have an outlet to talk. Right. There's not many men's groups that you can go to or there's not many activities where men are being transparent and vulnerable about the struggles that they're having, whether it be mental health, whether it be, you know, narcotics or or just anger. Anger management, you know, is key. You know, some some of us have triggers from childhood that if someone does something to you, automatically just go into that boat and there's no coming back from that sometimes. So you know, learning how to have healthy boundaries and healthy relationships with other men is a solution, you know, but where are these 
you know, besides having like maybe like a men's church group, you know, maybe there could be some other fatherhood initiatives, you know, that people can put together where, you know, there could be a men's conference or a men's day or things like that where, you know, someone's standing up saying, hey, you know what, this is, I want to do this and I want to be a part of this. So those are some of the things that, that, that are, are the solutions that I think can help, you know, in these situations. I don't think that uh, a lot of people know where to find resources for men to have help, you know, except for when you get in trouble, right. you have to do counseling or things like that. And after that, it's more of a reactive, not necessarily a proactive thing, you know, to, to that men identify with. And then also having therapists, you know, readily available that understand black men, you know, that understand men in general, right? And, and therapy and counseling, those services should be more available now to men because of the things that we're doing uh, or that is growing with domestic violence. Those are some of the solutions. Those are the things that help me develop is being a part of men's, a different men's group and going to men's retreats and going to counseling and therapy to help me become whole and realize that I do, I, I do have some shortcomings and that I do want to be made whole and, and I have to identify that. So some of it is soul searching as well, too, saying that, hey, I know I no longer want to be the same person I am. I want to make changes in my life. And some of that just comes with just attitude and being around different people that can provide perspective mm -hmm. and give you that insight or that wisdom. Well, you know, black men, I, 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 and I'm only speaking about black men now. I'm sure it's true for yeah. a lot yeah. of people. But I'm talking about black men. And... I think because of where many of us grow up and how we grow up, we have to be aggressive. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, if you're not aggressive or if you appear to be a bit passive, then things, let's just say that things don't go your way too, uh, too well. Do you think that has um, anything to do with this aggressive approach to women? Absolutely. You know, it has, it has to do with their approach because this is what we're taught. This was embedded in our brains. You know, it's hard to, you know, tell someone, you know, to, you know, to their whole life, hit back if you need to, or don't let nobody punk you, or they can't talk to you like that. Subliminally, I think it does something to your conscious and your mind where you can't turn the switch off sometimes. You know, it's just sometimes it's like that with football players, right? They've been taught to be, you know, to play a, a vicious sport, you know, into when the whistle blows, go all in and go everything and be aggressive. And then, you know, and then some things happen and they're still aggressive. Right. And, you know, not saying that football players or any other athlete that's subject to non domestic violence. I'm just saying in general, their behavior has been taught right. to be aggressive. So you see more aggression and football players and domestic violence, I think than some other, different sports. You know, I don't see that in necessarily uh, baseball or soccer, or, or <laughs> soccer, right? You know, it's not, in reality, it's not the same. So, you know, I would say that, you know, this is an acquired behavior that you've been taught and it's sometimes it's hard to shake it. And if you don't really know, your natural instinct is to react, you know, and, 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 it, and, it, and, it, and you don't really realize it until the damages are done. Like, oh my gosh, I don't, you know, I, I wish I could take that back. And I'm sure anybody, anybody does, right? Um, but without those coping skills or those mechanisms to realize you can't go from zero to a hundred, then it's always going to be a problem, you know, for some people. And 
And to develop those coping skills, you have to admit that you have a problem. Yes. You have Absolutely. to get the problem. Yep. You have to admit that you have to kind of let your guard down and, and your pride as what you perceive yeah. to be a, a, a masculine um, behavior. And you have to yeah. just accept the fact that it's all right to be, it, it's all right to feel. It, it's yeah, all right it's to okay. feel. It's, it's, a, it's okay to feel vulnerable. That's, yeah. that's the key that we're missing. You know, you got to give in somewhere. You know, you can't keep the wall up all the time. Wall has to come crashing down at some point in order for you to be better. And that's part of, you know, us as men, we don't let things go. We hold on to it. We let it build up, but we suppress it. And we don't realize it's there, you know, because you have to deal with things on your job. You got to deal with things, you know, with family. You got to deal with things, you know, in different avenues. And it just starts to peel up. And then it just explodes out at one time. And then now here we are. Yeah. And we are really at, I think, a very difficult point because I don't think there is a day that goes by that domestic violence isn't leading the newscast of some woman getting beaten, yes. some child being murdered, shot at. I mean, I find this incredible that you could be so bad and so angry that you yeah. shoot in the direction of your child. You know, yeah. that's a whole that's a whole lot of anger. And yeah. that is that is uncontrollable anger. So I guess, I guess to wrap this all up, and I know you, you've talked about therapy and counseling and so forth. How do we get them to do it? How do we get these men to go into counseling, to go into therapy? How do we get them to let that guard down and just understand they're just men? Things happen and you have to take care of it. Yeah, I think making it the norm, you know, and making it a conversation all the time and speaking up saying, hey, man, that's not okay. I think that's what it's going to take for each one of us to step out of our comfort zone. When we see something, we got to say something and we got to lift each other up, you know, and, and now, you know, mental health is more prevalent, more, more evident than we've ever seen before. Yes. And, you know, and identifying that sometimes is, is in the key, you know, and other people and checking on people to say, hey, man, are you OK? You know, you seem to be going through a lot, man. Maybe you should talk to somebody. So I think, you know, starting a conversation with people to address some of the natural issues that we have, because it's a you got to get it at the root. It's not that people are just aggressive because it's the root cause of that, you know. And if you see that, then it's up to us to start to talk about that and have the courage to ask, man, are you okay? Is you know everything gonna be all right? Because it's necessary now, you know, for us to do that. No more. No more suffering in silence. It's not okay to do that now. You know, and I think making it a conversation in the norm, having podcasts like this and, you know, and having conferences and, and putting it in the forefront and stop putting it on the back burner because no one deserves to die because it is or be injured or have to fear for their lives because, you know, we're not talking about it and we keep sweeping it under the rug. I think that we need to peel the rug back and really talk about it. And those who have gone through it, using their experiences to help other people out. I think that's the key. Sounds good to me, man. I couldn't have said it any better. Anything you want to add? I think you've said no, it all. Anything yeah, no, yeah, I think we wrapped it up. I mean, it was great, you know, and I'm glad that I was able to participate in, you know, using my own experiences in life, you know, and growing as a man, you know, and just opening up and say, hey, we all fall short somewhere, but it's okay to turn it around and we can do better. And no one else should have to, you know, be injured or another family member. Thing. 
and doesn't need to lose their life because it's okay to speak up and talk to somebody. I think that's the key. Talk. We got to listen. Mothers of victims equality.